You're listening to Unscripted with Alex, a podcast that empowers young families to make choices that are best for them and their children. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you. (laughs) So you've had two births, one emergency C-section and one a VBAC. And so today we're going to discuss how both of those experiences were for you and a little bit about the decision-making process that came into play and your recovery for both of them. So the first one, am I right in saying you were planning a home birth, but then you had to be transferred? Uh, Yes, I was on the fence of a home birth. And then I yeah, had to have an emergency cesarean, yeah. So why, why was that? What happened? Give us sort of like um, the rundown, like were you, were these, was this days before? Were you induced or were you sort of at home labouring and then it was like, no, no, we've got to go? Start from the start. Okay, okay, buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> so throughout my pregnancy I had a private midwife, Sam Mansfield. She was amazing. And I just wanted that continuity of care. I really enjoyed the fact that I could have appointments in my own home. You know, she could do my bloods and yeah, it was just super easy. I didn't really want to be waiting in a doctor's clinic for hours on end. And I just felt it was very yeah clinical, like not personal. And I needed that personal experience. So that is why I chose, you know, that path. Um, I did want a home birth, but the me back then was way too concerned about other like stupid things. Like I didn't want a birth because in my home because I didn't want to see my dog's fur everywhere. Like, <laughs> that's just stupid. <laughs> I would do it so differently now, but the questions were definitely yeah going through my mind. So I was on the fence, and I did. I had never been around a lot of births. So I was probably the first in like my family, Mm. like extended family or close friend group to have a baby. So I suppose as well, I had a lot of outside noise with everyone else's experiences in hospital and things that could potentially go wrong. And what if that happens, la la la. So I think if I was to have quieted that noise and really tuned into my own intuition, I would have had a home birth or I would have, you know, so like really concentrated on that vision. But I was just like, eh, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard with the first birth. I mean, I've only had one, but you don't, well, you don't know what to expect yeah. and there is a lot of outside noise. And I imagine, like you said, being the first out of your group and your family to kind of go through the experience, you don't really have that really close person that's sort of... Advocating yeah. or like really like going, it's amazing, you know, like there are all these options, like, yeah. So it was an interesting process, that one. A side note, my sister and I were both home births, which is really cool. So essentially it's like in our blood. <laughs> yeah, so she watched your, so that's Jess. Yeah. She's also, yeah, been on the show. So she had seen your experience and then kind of determined her experience from that. Is that right? Um, you were first, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you I just was, said yeah. You were first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that must have coloured her. She just to make up her own mind. So okay. I think she would have, like, you know, just watched and observed and, like, probably taken things. But definitely having a midwife was, like, her go-to for sure. Yeah. So then in the end you decided you would do a hospital birth, did you? Well, it wasn't even a decision. So okay. I was chatting to my husband. He left for work, so he works FIFO. He called me up 
at like 6.30 in the morning and it's like they're sending me off-site, which means no reception. So this is the uh, protocols of what, you know, call this person and they'll radio this person and then they'll get me and I'll have to. I was like, oh, okay, no worries. How many weeks were you? I at this, well, 37 and a half, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> pushing it close. Um, I was like, okay, I love this for me. Anyway, so we hung up and, you know, have a great day. And I rolled over in bed and I felt my waters break. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> um, so I then called my midwife and she was like, all right, well, I'll just come over and we'll just check. Because, you know, with your first as well, or even with my second, like I didn't know whether that's what it was. So she was like. So what were you feeling? Um, at that point I had been like releasing a lot of fluid so it was almost like it was just an increased amount of fluid. Okay. It was a very so there's no pop or anything like that. It was no, just like a, an increased like amount of fluid coming out. I guess. But then yeah. it was kind of on the fence of like, oh, is that something or am I just releasing more fluid like I have been for the past two weeks? <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then both like experiences with breaking, like my water broke with Anna is completely different to my second experience with my waters breaking. So. Okay. Very interesting. But anyway, so she came over and she checked me and she was like, yeah, I think that they have started to break. So she thought that the top had broken, maybe not the bottom. So if the top breaks, there's more pressure to kind of hold yeah. it in and kind of act like a bit of a plug. So sometimes yeah. it's more of a trickle type yeah. of process as to if it breaks at the bottom, you're probably going to get more of a, like a gushy type of sensation. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and then we just were like chatting for a little bit. And she was like, oh, I don't think you need to, like, let Lee know that he needs to come home yet. Like, we'll just maybe give it a couple of more hours. I was like, okay, no worries. So in that time, she then tested, um, like, she got the Doppler and did the baby's heart rate. And it was at 200 beats per minute, which is very high. So as you probably know, you're resting baby's heart rates between, like, 130, 150. Mm -hmm. So she was like, okay, that's interesting and then we kind of just like kept monitoring me from there and then it got to a point where she was like I think we need to go to hospital just so that they can have like the proper equipment on you and you can be tested like just have that tested continuously so I then called Lee and he my husband he went into a big flip and was trying to get home (laughs) so that's a different story (laughs) did it take him long he didn't get home (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sad. Okay. Do you find yourself constantly reaching for sugary foods? It's no secret that eating too much sugar can wreak havoc on your gut health. Not only does it feed bad gut bacteria, but it can also cause inflammation and damage to the gut lining. Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol is here to help. Our simple four-week reset program is designed to remove triggers and unwanted microbes, supporting you through your sugar hangover and repairing the gut. So why wait? Start feeling better today with Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol. So in hospital, they're wanting to monitor, was it mainly the heart rate and making sure that the baby's not getting too stressed? Were they also checking for infection or anything like that or they weren't worried about that? No. So it had only been a couple of hours since my waters broke. And, yes, so my sister came with me and we were just in the hospital and 
Essentially, Sam said they will monitor you for two hours, but if the baby's heart rate hasn't decreased within that time, that's when they're going to start looking at other options. So that was fine. I hadn't even started contractions yet. So we were just chilling, eating strawberries. (laughs) Like, okay, what's happening? And, yeah, so. Who was with you? Yes, my sister. Okay. So, yeah, we were just hanging out and, yeah, it wasn't decreasing. So we were having multiple loads of people coming in, introducing themselves, telling me what they're looking at, la, la. And at this point I'm kind of like rolling with the punches. I'm kind of, you know, you don't really take notice of who's coming in, what their names are. I'm like, I couldn't give a flip. (laughs) Can we just proceed? You just do what you need to do and then go. (laughs) But essentially, yeah, the heart rate didn't decrease and they didn't really know what was wrong. So they did a scan and everything and they couldn't really see anything, but they were like, it's probably safer to do emergency cesarean. But the way they delivered it was really beautiful. So like everyone literally left the room and Sam came back in and she said, you know, this is the situation. They don't know what's wrong with your baby or if anything is wrong. So they feel like the safest option is for an emergency cesarean. I'm really sorry. And then we all just like, my sister, Sam and me just like burst out crying, but it was like a beautiful moment we could all have together. And the information was delivered to me from a safe person who I Mm. felt comfortable with. Yeah. So I can only imagine my experience with that if I didn't have her. Yeah. So that's the bit that made it different and made you feel like, did you come out of it still feeling like a positive experience? hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So she also said, ask to be transferred to Bustleton because if anything's wrong with the baby, they can just take the baby to the NICU because they don't have one in. Sorry, oh, transfer to Bunbury. Yeah. Mm. So that was really good. So I went in an ambulance to Bunbury Hospital and I started having contractions in the ambulance. I was like, oh, is this what it feels like? <laughs> were they, what were they like at that point, the contractions? Oh. Just like tiny period pains, but I was like, hello. (laughs) It was nice. (laughs) Yeah, at least you felt you you had a little bit of an experience of what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, Bunbury Hospital, they got me all ready. I was in theatre. Bubs come out. She was crying. It was a girl. (laughs) It was all very exciting. Jessica will say that she'll never forget the smell of like open bodily fluids and like organs everywhere. (laughs) She has a sensitive nose for that thing because she also picked up on her own and was like, what is that smell in her own birth? That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, And so did you have Sam, your midwife, in the room with you for the C-section as well? I did, yeah, which was super amazing. She was able to do a swab of my vagina and then pop it on to the baby, which was really important to me. Like, you know, we've got to bring in all of those benefits that you get from a vaginal birth into a cesarean that was, you know, on the slider side of high risk. Yeah. So that in itself was really amazing. Yeah, just to help with the microbiome. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. And then, yeah, my sister got to cut cut the cord and, yeah. It was a whirlwind. (laughs) And so what happened with your husband? Was anyone able to like video him in or did you just take lots of photos or have someone take photos or any videos or anything like that? To be honest, I didn't even think of videoing him in. Like I don't think it was. Just wasn't at the forefront of your mind, issue. Yeah, like it wasn't, Yeah, I didn't didn't even think of it. But he was on a plane, so I'm pretty sure he was on a plane or he was trying to hustle getting on a plane. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, gosh. Like I've seen pictures, so I like have memories of after the birth, but my first memory is like Anna being next to me on the bed and then my mother-in-law coming in with my husband. Oh, wow. And then wow. Anna for the first time. Yeah, okay. So have you, a lot of the C-sections are blur for you, is it? Yeah. And I think it was just my coping mechanism of like shock and yeah, I feel like when I remember, like when I think about it in the moment I was present, mm. but a lot of, yeah, my, when I think about it now, I'm like, it's a very big blur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like being rolled into the theatre or anything like that? I remember trying to really not focus on the massive needle that was going into my back. And my sister was crying more than I was. Oh. <laughs> and I do remember them. So when they do the cesarean, they have to like push on your belly to like, I don't even know what they're doing, but they're trying to obviously get your baby out. And that feeling, like it will stay oh. with me forever. It was literally so disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you normally a bit squirmish with those sorts of things, like no. cutting and put, no, it's just a feeling that you. It's that feeling of yeah. someone like fully pressure on your belly that's essentially like it's like your motherly instincts going don't fucking touch me there (laughs) yeah okay that's interesting Mm. okay so then after the c-section talk to us about your recovery process how how was it it was interesting (laughs) I we were we transferred to Bustleton Hospital a day later and that was really nice because Lee could then stay with us and I was a pumping machine because I had all of this milk in my breasts <laughs> that Anna was struggling to latch, obviously. Just because she was too small? No, she was huge. <laughs> How big <laughs> was she? Really. I think she was like nine, just under nine pounds, I think. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. She, I think it was just a whirlwind of everything. And, you know, it's just, you know, everyone trying to get their feed and to understand what's going on. So, she was, yeah, struggling to latch. We fed her through like a tube, like a, they tape it to you, like your pinky finger and you mm. like put it in their mouth. Yeah. So we did that most nights purely because we wanted sleep <laughs> and I couldn't be bothered trying to breastfeed, you know, in the nights. So we just spent our days working on the latch and then the night was just like, you get your sleep, little one. Yeah, here's some finger feeding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then afterwards... We came home and I soaked up the six-week recovery. So I literally made a nest on the couch and that's where we stayed. Anna was a feeding animal. So she was like, I feel like it was on me like every hour for hours. I Mm. don't feel like I had a lot of a break from her feeding, which, you know, is beautiful. But as a first-time mum, you're like, what is going on? Yeah, it's a lot to take in because you're like, hang on, how long does this last for? Is this now my life? I haven't moved off the lounge and it's mm. just a totally different situation that you're in. Plus you you have your hormones doing all sorts of wonderful yeah. things and yeah. you're trying to recover with your scarring and everything like that. Exactly. So it was, yeah, it was very interesting. My husband was here for the whole time. So he ended up getting, I think it was like Vera's leave or something, and he was here for about, I think it was about eight weeks, which was really great for us. He would get up to go to the gym at 3 a.m. in the morning and 
then would let me, like he'd come back and then I would sleep till like 9.30. And honestly, it saved my life. Like just having that little chunk of sleep in the morning, it just like rejuvenated me and I was like, okay, we're ready for the day. Isn't it interesting? You can go through periods either in the newborn phase or even after, you know, four months, six months is any sort of stage where you might find you're waking every half an hour to an hour and you're, you're like, I literally need three or four hours of solid sleep and you can kind of really rejuvenate in such a short period of time. It messes with your mind and everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I I would say compared to who I am now, I was a shell of a human being when I had, like when I was in my fourth trimester with Anna. Like I literally was just rolling with day to day. I had no idea about boundaries, so people were just coming in left, right and centre, like family friends. (laughs) Like Um, my mum's friends. I was like, I don't really want you here. But I didn't know how to say that. Like I had no self-awareness. So I literally, yeah, just felt like I was being steamrolled the entire time. And I had a lot of support around me, but I still felt really alone in my experience and like more mentally, like because you are sitting there second guessing your every move. Like, oh, do I wake up now? Do I wake her up? Do I feed her now? What does she need? Why is she crying? Why is, you know, 4 p.m. in the afternoon a shit show all day, every day? Like, yeah. but then you're not alone because that is the experience for everybody. Like they, everyone's experience into motherhood's unique to them. And, you know, if you, like I had a belief system that I wasn't supported. So, and that was from childhood so mm. have all of this support around me. I just didn't see it. I didn't feel it because I didn't yeah. believe that I had it. Mm. Yeah. So, it's like, one of the toughest transitions, I think, that 100%. we'll go through as females, if you become a mother, then that transition is so challenging and it's such a big growth that we have in all of those ways that you just said on trying to know how to trust your intuition. You've really got to rely on your your instincts, yeah. which I think are still developing. Yeah. Like they're there, but you're still, you're trying to work out how to tap into them or, yeah, not question yourself yeah. so much. But it's all new, so it's makes sense to question things. So, well, yeah, it's, it's just Like yeah. until we learn not to, so until we learn to trust ourselves and that we have intuition to listen to, like you're literally living in fight or flight. You're living in a realm of how your parents parented you because that's all you know until you learn to unlearn it and, you know, anchor into who you are and your own intuition and what leads you and what feeds you. And Yep. Yeah. And there's any listeners that are in the Southwest, there's a really fabulous group called Radiance. Did you ever, you know of Radiance, Amanda? Yeah. Yeah. And they do fabulous things to support women as well. So if you're feeling like you don't have the support or um, they've got the Mother Baby Nurture Program as well, which helps you just tune in with your baby and your own instincts. So there is some really um, fabulous programs that they offer. So if anyone is in that space, then I would say definitely see about reaching out to them. Yeah. I want to ask you, what, how was your recovery with your actual scarring and the physical um, changes? Um, really good. The, oh, that great. Yeah. <laughs> the scarring in itself, I definitely listened and I didn't push myself too hard. 
because I didn't want any permanent damage. So, you know, I didn't drive. I didn't lift a laundry basket, which, I mean, I probably could have, but. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I <didn't> do that. <laughs> so I was probably more on like the cautious side of it and I didn't have any, you know, need or desire to go out for a run. I was like, I'm very happy to just chill. <laughs> Um, Good. That worked well for you then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my scar healed really beautifully. I was extremely lucky to have the surgeon that I did have, apparently. And yeah, I didn't really have any problems with it. It was actually quite funny when my period came back. So about a year, no, it was maybe like 18 months. I just finished feeding Anna. I can't remember. But I was like, oh my God, what is that pain? And, like, it was on my cesarean scar. Oh. I even went to hospital. Like, there is a pain. I don't know why. It's right here. They're, like, talking to me about the scar, la, la, la. And then they, like, took me in for an ultrasound. Uh, I was getting my period. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, no. You're like, well, I haven't had one of them for a long time now, so I don't really know what it is. (laughs) But you wouldn't expect that pain to be on your, your scarring. Why did they say, does that commonly happen? No, they just, just where it was. I feel like it was probably localised to that area, if you know what I mean, and like the scar was so new that I was kind of like, oh, like so I just linked the two, like I just didn't even think about period pain. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. And um, on reflection of the whole C-section experience for you, is there anything that you would change or would do differently if you were to go through it again? Um, I think that now that you've said it, I would definitely have like FaceTimed Lee in um, Mm, if I was able to or recorded it. But no, I really like value my experience that I had. And I know that is that we had to go through that to shape who we are today, like Anna and I and Lee even. Mm. And she came into the world like that. She chose to and literally that's how she lives her life every day. <laughs> it's like a lot of a gate. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Okay, so then moving into your second birth, you decided to have a VBAC. Um, what sort of factors led you to choosing to have a VBAC and sort of what sort of things did you need to consider in order to have one? It wasn't even a decision for me to have a VBAC. Like I just knew I was going to have one. Yeah. I think it also helped that the emergency cesarean was because her heart rate was so high. So it was personalised to her, Mm. like that baby. So that really allowed me to go, oh, well, you know, nothing that happened to my body, like, you know, hindered my experience of birthing vaginally. So um, I don't see any reason why I can't. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty much the decision-making. Also, like, I was very primed, ready to go when that happened to Anna. So, like, my midwife said that, yeah, I was, like, ready to birth that baby. <laughs> uh, okay. So if she wasn't in stress or had a high heart yeah. rate, then you would have just delivered her. Yeah. Vaginally. Yeah. yeah. And sorry, while we're on that point, was there anything wrong when she came out? No. It's just unusual. Actually, this is how she lives her life. Like this She's is just a family. high heart rate child. <laughs> you think something's wrong? She's like, I'm bad. 
<laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Okay, so then you felt very confident to go in to do a VBAC. Was there anything that you had to kind of get ticked off or like how do you have that discussion with the midwife or doctor? Is there anything you kind of need to sort of confirm with them? If I was having a home birth, I wouldn't have, no. But because we were doing it in the hospital, I had to, yeah, get get ticked off because essentially I was on like the cusp of a high risk because I've had an emergency cesarean, which is kind of a grey area. So essentially they wanted to just have continuous heart rate monitors on me and that was probably their main stipulation, which was fine. But I had to go through like a whole, like I had to go to Bunbury and like have an interview and I was like, is this really necessary? As <laughs> soon as you're in the system, you have to yeah. go by the system's rules and they don't always make a lot of sense. Yeah, which is fine. Like it's there for a reason, you know. So someone right. who has had a cesarean for other reasons, like it would be good to go through all of those questions. But once again, I would prefer personally to do them with a private midwife because then at least you can like bounce off. So like you're going, okay, this is what the doctor said. So what do you take from that? And the midwives are so unbiased. Like they have trained in the medical system and, you know, it's their job to deliver or help deliver a safe baby, like a health baby. So, you know, it's their in their best interest to do what they can as well to ensure that for you. So, that's why I feel like they're really valued for me because I could then leave that appointment and then Sam and I could talk about it and then have this whole rounded experience rather than just going in with one point of view, maybe feeling like I was railroaded, it's not going to happen. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and she can really look at evidence-based information for you and then tailor it specifically to you and what's going on in your scenario and your health factors. Yeah. So with the second birth, were you still under a private midwife or you didn't with this yeah. one? Yeah. You did? Oh, no, okay. I did, yeah. You did. Yeah, I had them again, yeah. Yeah. And were you opting for a home birth then for the VBAC or no, you were? No, I, if we didn't raise it with the medical system, I could have had a home birth, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. So because you're on the cusp of high risk. <laughs> you have to. In quotation marks, you had to be in hospital for your VBAC. Yeah. Okay. And did you decide to have the VBAC in Bustleton or yeah, Bunbury? Yeah, Bustleton. Okay. And how were you feeling in the lead up to this second birth? Yeah, so good. Logan's pregnancy was amazing. It was, uh, yeah, completely different experience to my pregnancy with Anna. And, yeah, I was feeling great. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. yeah. And so, sorry, I've just realised we've thrown around this term VBAC I'm assuming that everyone understands what that is. So it's a vaginal birth after C-section. Um, so, yeah, so you're opting to have a vaginal birth now for the second one. So your pregnancy is going well. And before you said to us that your when your waters broke, they were very different between both of them. So how was it when the waters broke with this second birth? Yeah, it was, like, shocking. I was like, oh, gosh, is that what it was? <laughs> um, oh. I had started getting contractions well, and the thing is, I because I hadn't gone into labour with Anna, I really wasn't sure of what the experience would feel like. So about a week leading up to when I went into labour, I was having Braxton Hicks for that entire week. Like I was awake all night on a ball. I was messaging Sam going, am I in labour? <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> but 
everything that happened in that week, I feel like it did its job in, excuse me, ripening my cervix. Mm. So like when I went into labour, it was ready. (laughs) We were ready to go. How many weeks were you then with the second one? He was six days early, so 39 weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I went into labour and it was like the lower period pains and then they slowly just continued to get, you know, increase. And my friend was like, do you want to go for a walk? And I was like, oh, fine, we'll go for a walk. And we literally crossed the road and my water broke. So, like, it was literally like a balloon popping going down my legs. I was like, and back to the house we go. (laughs) Wow. So it's like one of those um, Hollywood stories. I was like, oh. And so how quickly did the contractions ramp up from that point? Yeah, instantly. Oh, really? I called my midwife. intense. Yeah, I was like, we'll meet you at the hospital in an hour. Goodbye. <laughs> she was like, oh, okay. And no one believed me, but I was. Oh, really? Yeah, like I was like, this baby's like, and, you know, everyone was like, oh, no, it'll be later this, like later this evening. And I was like, no, I don't think so. So you just knew it was coming, it's yeah. coming quick. Yeah. So, okay, talk us through this birth experience then. So you head to the hospital. Lee was home. Yay. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Um, He drove us to hospital and I was contracting in the car and he was so scared that I was going to birth a baby in the car. I was like, great, bring it on. Like, let's let it happen. (laughs) So, yeah, we got to hospital and... It was so interesting. Like I thought I would be moving and I thought that I would essentially, yeah, I thought I'd be moving, but I was crippled on the side of the bed. Like I, every contraction I could not move. Right. Like it was like my whole body like could do nothing else but focus on, you know, the descent of my child, which, you know, is fair. (laughs) (laughs) But because I had the heart rate monitor, I wasn't able to go into the water, which Mm. sucked. Mm. But I feel like that would have been a beautiful experience as well. Yeah. Water is such a nice healing sort of um, supportive thing to keep you getting through your contractions. Exactly. And I feel, yeah, that would have been really beautiful, but that's fine that that didn't happen. Can I just ask, was there any way of being able to discuss so they wanted to make sure that it was continuously monitored? Why can't they just check with the doublery thing every now and then? Um, I don't know. It was quite infuriating. Mm. (laughs) They're covering their own backsides essentially. So if it's continuously monitored, you know, I as a like birthing person could never say, oh, well, in that hour that I wasn't being monitored, this happened, you didn't know about it, so now I'm going to see you. Yeah. So essentially they're just covering themselves which is fine. Like it's, you know, that's what they have to do. But yeah, at one point they were like, oh, do you want the Bluetooth heart monitor? So then I could have like been mobile. I'm like, there is no way that I will be able to sit still while you get that thing on me. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause it's just left too late. Hey, it was left too late. I was like in the thick of, yeah, labor. I was like, no way now. <laughs> but there was a time where I ripped it off. And I was like, get that thing out of my face. And no one else was in the room, so it was kind of fine. <laughs> but I was just like, no, I do not care. And they're like, oh, we've lost it again. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> this baby Take is alive. Away from me. <laughs> I can feel it moving inside of me, so we're fine. 
<laughs> it's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> we will all be fine. <laughs> and so what position were you? Um, so you're labouring over the bed over um, the standing bed. or no. um, like kneeling? Yeah, yeah. And is that the position you birthed in? That is the position I birthed in. So it did happen quite swiftly. Not that anyone thought it would. <laughs> and I remember my transition afterwards, I was like, Sam, did I even transition? And she was like, you what? You were at a point and you said, "I, how does this get any worse? Uh, and I was like, oh, I do remember that point. And then I felt like I needed to poo. <laughs> so it, you know. Baby <laughs> so, coming. Yeah. Um, and that whole time Lee was just like next to me and I was holding his hand. And at one point he like let go of my hand to stretch his hand. And I'm like, what are you doing? Give it back. <laughs> and he's like, it's going to come off. <laughs> like all you need to do right now is be the provider of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want any help, anything else. No. Just your hand. Yeah. Uh, and ha- how did he find the whole process? Like this is his first birth he got to see. Yeah, I asked him this the other day when I was going to a birth and he said it was like just something out of this world. Like he will never forget the experience. Like it's just, and then I also remember him afterwards, like he was so in love with me. He was like, you're amazing. I can't believe you just did that. I was like, can we hold on to this forever? Like I'm like being worshipped here. I'm I'm ready for it. It didn't All work. women should because they're goddesses to be able to do, I know. do that. Yeah. yeah. And so, okay, so then Bubs comes out and do you pull baby yeah. up onto your chest? Yeah. So Logan came out, I grabbed him and he was all slippery and I felt balls and I was like, oh, my God, what are they? <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Like, I, I don't know, it felt really weird. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just like that relief. But then it quickly follows with, oh, there's still something inside of me, your placenta. (laughs) Mm. But it was like, yeah, so amazing. I say to a lot of people, I don't want a third child, but I would happily birth like all day, every day. So you really like doing the birthing process. (laughs) I thought, well, I found it extremely healing and I really believe like you have a teaching child and a healing child. And ah. Anna is definitely my teaching child and Logan is 100% my healing child. And that's how oh. I feel about both of the experiences as well. I really like that concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Huh. So how did the recovery go with this second birth? Well, this might be a bit too much information, but I had hemorrhoids okay. when I was birthing and I literally felt like I was birthing hemorrhoids. Oh. So... So you had them already there from the pregnancy? Yeah. Yeah. So can you imagine pushing and pushing that as well? Wow. (laughs) So I feel like my recovery would have been quicker or less painful if I didn't have them because that's like they were recovering essentially. Yeah. And I had a little tear because Logan came out with his like, hand on his head. I was like, oh, thanks Aww, for that. Little finger nail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the fingernail. Well, I don't know if it was that, but that's what I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was actually really good. It was interesting. but And once again, like I had a lot of people here 
because I still didn't know anything about boundaries. Like I've only learned about them in the last probably year and a half. Did you have to do anything for the hemorrhoids, um, like surgical procedure to remove them or anything, or did they? I think that would have been great. Yeah. I I would have loved, on reflection, to have them cut off. Yeah, Um, while they're down there doing, do they have to do stitches with a tear? Yeah. Yeah, just (laughs) cut them, stitch them all up too. (laughs) I know. So I literally, yeah, was just told to wear like the ice pads and, Mm. you know, it got there eventually. But Mm. I felt I wasn't very mobile in the first week, I would say. Yeah. And so in comparison then from vaginal birth and the C-section, which one did you feel more mobile with? I felt physically better with Anna's Mm -hmm. but mentally better with Logan's. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a lot on the, you know, you've just pushed out a watermelon and that does cause a lot of swelling and it does take a lot of time, doesn't it, to be able to just feel yourself again, Mm. be able to even just go for a little walk or um, do your first poo. That's terrifying. Well, that didn't happen for a while. Yeah, and also with hemorrhoids, you'd be like, hell no, I ain't pushing nothing else. And someone give me a tube or something. Like, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, but then the second time you felt more mentally strong because you were kind of prepared, do you feel? Yeah. I don't feel like you can ever be prepared, but mm. I was more present in the moment. So, like, I was more grateful for this child that I'd just birthed. But with Anna, it took a while. Like, I don't feel like I had that, like, overwhelmingly, oh, my God, I love you so much feeling until maybe two weeks. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. And then when I felt it, I was like, oh, my God, I hadn't been feeling this for two weeks. Like, it was like this whole internal hating on myself. Mm. But, yeah, with Logan, it was just like this, like, bubble of love, like, since he came out. Wow. Yeah. And did he feed well straight off? Yep, straight up. Right on there. Oh, so good. Completely. Amazing. And now you are a doula yourself and help support other women in their birth. Yeah. That's so good. And your um, service is offered to whereabouts? Um, The Southwest. So at the moment I've, yeah, service like yelling up Dunsborough, but, you know, it can stretch to Mark River, potentially Bunbury. Like it really just depends on the client's needs and also how quickly they want me to be there as well. Mm -hmm. Like I never want to hinder that experience for them. If they want someone, you know, that's 30 minutes away, then essentially, yeah, yeah, they need to be closer. (laughs) Yeah. And it's good that you've got two different, very different birthing experiences yourself. And I know that you don't want to put your own baggage onto anybody else, but you do have that um, experience in knowing how to support the woman. Yeah through what they're going through. I think that that's definitely like I always look at my experiences and say that they happen for a reason and I believe that that is why they happened is so that I can enter in to an experience with somebody else having a full, you know, not full spectrum but a good amount of spectrum of, yeah, the system and then also having a private midwife and, yeah, just those different experiences even what I went through postpartumly, what I'm going through now, like all of your life experiences, you know, make up who you are and how you can support other people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so if anyone wants to find you and your doula service, what socials would they find you on? 
Well, I've just opened a Facebook page and <laughs> I know, and I have Instagram as well. So it's Amanda Rose Birth of You. Great. And we will add links to that for the um, Facebook and the Instagram on um, the show notes so people can easily find you. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking us through your experiences today. And hopefully that really does help some other women out there. I'm sure it will. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so lovely. No problems. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Alex. This show was brought to you by Batika Co. 